0: The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. The shepherds went with haste to Bethlehem and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words, and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard, as it had been told them. After eight days had passed, it was time to circumcise the child, and he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. About 20 years ago, a book told the true story of a teen who was lost, in and out of schools, in and out of foster homes. He was from the inner city of Memphis, but a terrible upbringing. His father had been murdered in prison. His mother was a crack addict. He was homeless, without friends, lost, until he met a woman She was with her husband as they were driving home from a party on a cold winter night and noticed the boy wandering aimlessly without proper clothing, freezing. She told her husband to pull over. She got out of the car and approached the teen. He was big for his age, about six, four, and looked rather menacing. But she knew what she had to do. She was a Christian. And so she struck up a conversation, and eventually she convinced him to come home with them and spend the night in the guest room. At least he would be warm for the night. He reluctantly agreed. This was the beginning of a long friendship that turned into adoption, as he became a member of the family. The boy's name was Big Mike, and the woman's name was Tui and the name of the book, The Blind Side. As any good mother, she fought for her son, encouraged him. His grade point average at this point was dismal. So out of a possible 4.0, he had 0.6, which explained why he was doing so poorly in schools. But no matter, she hired tutors. And through long, hard work, he managed to get up his grades enough to get back into high school and he tried out for the football team he was obviously big for his age and he had a natural ability in that sport so much so that he was scouted by some of the top tier universities and eventually drafted in the first round by the baltimore ravens of the nfl 20 years later today he's had a successful career he's now retired but It included a Super Bowl ring. He's married, has four children, and is successful in life. But the intervention of this woman and her family was crucial. I tell this story because it has application to our solemnity today, which is the Feast of Mary, Mother of God. Mary is our mother in a real sense, and scriptures tell us that. In the book of Revelation, for example, john the author of that book was caught up into heaven and he saw a vision of a woman clothed with the sun with the moon under her feet crowned with 12 stars and she was engaged in a battle she was pregnant about to give birth to a son who would rule the world with an iron rod that's a direct quote from psalm 2 so that this was a messianic psalm obviously the child to be born is christ there was a great dragon ready to consume the child as he was born. And there's the warfare, the conflict. Well, as the story goes in the book of Revelation, the woman fled for safety, the boy was protected, and the red dragon was thrown down to earth. But at the end of that chapter 12 in the book of Revelation, there's an important verse that applies to us. And I'll quote it. This is verse 17. Verse 17. Then the dragon was angry with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring on those who keep the commandments of god and bear testimony to jesus in other words us we are children of the woman we're children of mary in a spiritual sense and there's this warfare that's going on It certainly went on in the garden because that same great dragon now in the form of a serpent tempted our first parents, Adam and Eve, and won that victory, and the fall occurred. But what God did next was very, very encouraging because God brought the serpent together with the fallen Adam and Eve, and he spoke to them, first to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel." That's the prophecy that God pronounced at that time. Notice the emphasis on a woman. And in throughout the Old Testament, there are various women that were very important in the history of Israel, because Israel had lots of enemies, and these enemies wanted her destruction, but if you read in the various books of the Old Testament, it's usually a woman who rises up and commands an army or is in some way involved in the defeat of the enemy, the crushing of the enemy's head. Say, for example, the book of Esther or the book of Judith, among others. Now we get to the New Testament, and we see all of this crystallizing in a great wedding feast. Mary has been invited to a wedding feast. This is in John's Gospel, Chapter 2, the wedding at Cana. She brings along her son, Jesus, and she notices that the young couple who are getting married are in big trouble because the wine has run out. That would be a catastrophe for the couple. She brings the matter to her son, knowing that her son has the ability to rectify that situation. What she's really doing is acting as the new Eve, the new woman, because she's going to initiate Jesus' ministry right then and there, because Jesus will not refuse his mother. And so Jesus, at her request, changes water into wine, and that's the first miracle. Once that happens, there's no turning back for Jesus. What's important is what Jesus speaks in that situation. He says, woman, what is this between you and I? Now he's directing that toward his mother, Mary. He's not being disrespectful by calling her woman, Actually, he's going all the way back to that text in Genesis chapter 3.15, what's called the Proto-Evangelism, the first gospel. And he's recognizing that Mary is the new woman, the new Eve. And together, the new Adam, which is Jesus, the new Eve, which is Mary, will bring in a new creation. Now, we know this again because of what happens at the end of John's gospel when Jesus is on the cross, And again, Mary is there. The other apostles have fled, but St. John is there as well. And Jesus says to Mary, Woman, behold your son. And to John, behold your mother. So again, he calls Mary woman, because he wants that to be known that she is the woman of Genesis 315 that is going to instrumental in crushing the head of the serpent. So this brings everything now to our feast today, our solemnity. Mary is our mother, and she is here to protect us, to fight for us, to encourage us. And just as Leontuy did to that poor boy who was lost and brought him under her wing and the wing of her family, so Mary does to us, but in a much greater way so we're very very privileged to be able to celebrate this solemnity and to invoke mary as our mother one of the other aspects of revelation chapter 12 is that this woman in heaven and that really is one of the texts that would argue for the assumption of the blessed virgin mary body and soul into heaven this woman is wearing a crown Of 12 stars which means she's not just a woman she's is queen mother of all creation she is in heaven she is the queen now if you go back into the old testament once again second kings you see that when solomon was anointed the king after david solomon doesn't crown his wife because of course he's got many wives and concubines he brings his mother bathsheba and he brings a throne for her to sit upon during his coronation he bows down to her and she becomes the queen mother of israel and he says something very very important to her and that is ask whatever you wish and i will give it to you that becomes a prototype in the old testament every time a new king is anointed The queen mother is also recognized with that powerful position of sitting next to the king and having that intercessory capacity. And that's exactly what Mary now is. Christ is on his throne in heaven. Mary is there. She was assumed body and soul. And she's wearing that crown. She is the queen mother. It means she has great intercessory power. So let us bring our needs to her and we know, just not for our own lives, but the world, because our world is in trouble. One last citation from Scripture, and it's from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 16. Paul talks about this crushing of the head of the serpent, which he knows is Satan. And he wants to bring all of us into that reality. And so he says, and I'm going to quote the verse, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under Your feet, now he's talking to his congregation, under your feet. We have this ability now, with the help of our mother Mary, to live such great lives, holy lives, set apart for God, that we actually participate in the defeat of our mortal enemy, Satan, and all that he is wrecking throughout the world. Let's do that in conjunction with, of course, the Holy Spirit that's poured into our hearts at baptism and all the sacraments, but also the help of our mother, especially on this solemnity of Mary, Mother of God. We thank Mary for her yes at the Annunciation, her continuing yes throughout the life of Jesus, especially at the cross, and when she was... At the upper room just prior to pentecost she was there praying with the apostles and the holy spirit came down upon the whole church so she's very instrumental in our victory over evil and in attaining the glory of god in heaven